Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the Jaymore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. guys, it is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur, and you have tuned into the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. It's great to be with you guys tonight, and uh, whether you're here at nighttime, uh, daytime, or any time in between, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I am John C. Morley, and uh, I want to let you guys know if you're new here, well, definitely go out and please uh, launch that camera app of yours on your phone. I'd be so grateful if you do that. And once you launch that camera app, go ahead and point over the QR code on the side like so, and you'll be able to touch the old lips. You'll get my link tree. Uh, if you're wondering what's on that page, well, we add a brand new section there. Um, it is for our tools for our pod hosts and guests. Uh, check that out. Now, these are not pages that people have told me to put up there. These are pages that I believe in, that I use for my own business, and that I also uh, use, of course, for the podcast shows. So definitely check that out. Uh, really climb in here. Thank you so much for being here with me. We do appreciate that. We have a great show here for you guys tonight. Uh, before I get started, let me tell you what I do. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I am John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. And ladies and gentlemen, I am a podcast host and a podcast coach, and a specialist in helping businesses tell a story that leads to them uh, growing and being more scalable and, of course, more profitable. Now, I typically work with companies that bring in $10 million or more, and I'm very good at helping people tell their story. Um, but I'm very good about finding the passion in what it is, and I write about truth. So let's tell you what this is. So this is the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Um, it is series two, show 46, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and um, you are watching tonight or listening to the Quantum Tech Leap. This is pretty amazing. Let's get started, shall we? All right. Well, first, let's kick it off with Chat GPT Maker, OpenAI, our CEO, Sam Altman. What the heck happened there? Well, um, basically, uh, the board of company behind ChatGPT um, just later uh, this afternoon um, fired OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. Um, too many, the human face of generative AI, sending shockwaves through the tech industry. What is this going to mean? Uh, the announcement obviously blindsided many employees. And uh, as I want to read a quote from them, Altman's departure follows a deliberative review process by the board, uh, which concluded that he was not constantly candid in his communications with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. Close quote, OpenAI said in the blog without elaborating any further. 
so this is very interesting what's going on. And Greg Brockman, OpenAI president and co-founder, who stepped down from the board as chairman as part of the management shuffle, quit the company. He announced on messaging platform uh, X, uh, previously known as Twitter, uh, earlier today, based on today's news. I quit, he wrote. So um, Altman, who ran Y Combinator, is a serial entrepreneur and investor, and he was the face of OpenAI and uh, the wildly popular generative AI technology as he toured the world this past year. Uh, Altman posted on X uh, after the OpenAI published its blog, quote, I love my time at OpenAI. It was transformative for me personally and hopefully the world a little bit. Most of all, I love working with such talented people. We'll have more to say about what's next later. All, close quote. Allman did not return requests for comment, and OpenAI was not reachable for further comment. So um, this is interesting. Uh, at an emergency, all hands meeting on uh, Friday afternoon after the announcement, Marathi sought to calm employees and said OpenAI's partnership with Microsoft is stable and its backers, executives, including CEO, uh, Sataya Nadella continued to express confidence in the startup. Um, a person familiar with the matter told Reuters. And so, uh, quoting from their magazine, the question is, why did he do this? Well, if I had to reach out to this, I'd have to say he's got something up his sleeve. Um, you know, whether it's a younger millennial or, or, or you know, Generation X or older or younger. I feel a lot of these people, man, I can just see right in his eyes, um, he has a, a very different look. And the thing is, it's a look of concern because he didn't quit. He got removed. And maybe there was something he wasn't sharing with us. So we'll have to wait later, but you're probably thinking, so what is it uh, that Sam Altman didn't share that got him fired? Uh, I don't know exactly, um, but I'm sure we're going to learn more about this as things progress. And um, I don't know. We'll just have to see what's going on and, and what's going on. But I'm sure someone else can obviously take the company further. Um, so um, talking about more with technology, AI in e-commerce. What is AI in e-commerce? Well, that's a very, very, very good question. So AI in e-commerce is all about personalization. Uh, being able to know what your preferences are so the system can recommend other cross-upsells, keep track of, of what you buy, why you buy it, um, more enhanced support for e-commerce, and dynamic pricing uh, structures, whereby prices can be affected uh, literally by dozens of things. Uh, of course, now there's fake review detection that's getting a lot smarter, and you have voice search now. In fact, six out of 10 people say they prefer the voice search. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see um, what actually prevails there. Um, and what is AI doing in education? Well, that's another great question. So they have the voice assistant. Uh, they're adding gamification 
And they're all about smarter content creation. So I think these are some good things that we're going to see uh, from AI in the educational industry. And I know, ladies and gentlemen, that you're probably wondering, like, you know, what is this uh, about? And I think when we talk about what it's about, it's regarding transferring information to other people, but doing it in a manner that is for the greater good of all concerned. And I know you're probably wondering, you know, how is AI going to shape education? Well, there's a lot that's going to happen in uh, education. And I feel there are going to be a lot of positive tools that could make AI uh, really be a help. So uh, where is AI going in robotics? So oh, that's a great question. So AI in robotics, well, robotics alone has been pretty cool uh, without adding AI to robotics. But AI in robotics uh, is now going to allow for natural language processing. Uh, that's going to be a big uh, enhancement. And object recognition and manipulation. So a robot will be able to not only uh, decipher what the object is, but learn and try different ways of handling that object. There's also going to be human robotic interaction, which will be a lot more involved than it was in the past. The goal with AI is to help people and gain more information. But my question still sits on the fence that what's going to happen with uh, AI and who's going to manage it and who's going to be the sole party about it. See, I think those are the things that a lot of people like don't realize. They don't realize what's going on. And I know what you're probably saying. It's, it's very, very interesting. And we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, what's going on, why it's going on and, you know, all kinds of things like that. But I think there's a lot going to happen in the world. A lot going to happen in the world. And so uh, this is going to be something very, very interesting. So we'll have to just kind of hold on to our seats and see, you know, where it's going to go. But AI and robotics is going to add a dimension that's not only going to give more support, but also going to allow robots to be able to tap into the knowledge of the universe. The question is, a lot of the knowledge in the universe, such as from ChatGPT, it's wrong. So we still have to have a human element in that puzzle, right? I think that that's a big, uh, big thing. And a lot of people are saying to me, hey, John, you know, what will AI bring to robotics? And I think when we know that robots are going to be more intelligent, um, they're going to have better computer vision and motion control. We've already talked about things from, uh, I believe it was uh, Boston Dynamics, uh, where the robots working on the gate where they actually try to knock it over and get back. And other companies were doing that too. Uh, machine learning in a way that's going to really evolve with our time. And they're going to learn from their own mistakes as well as the mistakes of others. And uh, prevent constant human intervention and parallel efforts. But the question is, if you give a robot a task 
And let's say, I don't know, you want to tell it to, um, I don't know, build a very large card castle, right? And we all know that there's a lot of trial and error in that. So something like that is very interesting, right? But if you tell a robot to, I don't know, let's say, um, organize the chairs in a room. Now, the robot's going to do that. But unfortunately, if there's people in the room, that robot might cause more of a disruption. I mean, that's a word we've been hearing a lot, disruption, right? So the disruption might, they say it won't harm people, but it might annoy them in a way that could potentially get them to stop purchasing from that business if it was a business that was using it. And so when we think about AI in uh, robotics, there are going to be a lot of possibilities. Um, so is AI and robotics the same thing? So AI and robotics are sometimes used interchangeably in reality, but they're distinct. Um, AI is a neural network model, similar to biological neural networks. Uh, robotics is comparable to the human body. So when we take the human body and we connect it to neural networks so that we can gain more information from a vast amount of sources around the globe, we get artificial intelligence. Robots, on the other hand, refers to development of robots that can perform specific tasks. AI is going to be learning from itself and learning from others. Okay, so uh, AI will help robots learn specific tasks faster through the use of its um, many sensors. And this may include time of flight optical sensors, temperature and humidity sensors, ultrasonic sensors, vibration sensors, and even millimeter wave sensors. And these sensors are going to help robots to learn, adapt to making intelligent decisions to be able to react in its environment without or as, let's say, not as much human interaction. Uh, some of the things that the robots will be doing because of AI, customer service, um, assembly, packaging, uh, fulfillment, imaging, machine learning, right? And the day-to-day -day responsibilities of a robotic engineer are going to include some interesting things. Installing, repairing, and testing the equipment and components, uh, performing predictive maintenance, incorporating relevant technical literature into their um, understanding of system operations, or SOP, right? Uh, identifying new data sources, building working relationships, ensuring that software solutions meet customer needs, developing and deploying AI governance structures to manage ongoing implementations of AI strategy. So when we say governance, governance is a way of control. It's a way to make sure that robots are doing the right thing and for the greater good of all concerned. My real problem with this is that there is not an industry standard for governance right now but sit tight because i believe there will be soon uh continuous evaluation and uh re-imaging of uh, processes to incorporate conversational ai that's going to be interesting and maintaining knowledge of safety standards and regulations for safe operations of systems uh the good thing about this is using ai um when there's a recall such as on a car or something the system will be able to intelligently figure out what is needed, what parts. All this can happen uh, to save people a lot of time and effort and to protect people's safety. So where's the future of robotics? Well, it's going all over the place. Um, we've talked about it 
uh, in lots of different shows. And I continue to talk about it because it's a very, very hot topic. And so as we allow AI to explore and we experiment with real objects, um, it's going to be possible to approach a deeper understanding, such like a human child. And although this isn't tomorrow, it's coming. The integration of AI and robotics is going to make significant impacts to a wide variety of industries, applications, including manufacturing, healthcare, uh, security, and even space exploration, just to name a few. But the future of AI robotics um, appears to be bright, and it holds tremendous potential uh, to understand and interact with the world. However, we've still got to make sure that the people creating these rules are creating them for the better good of all concerned. So I feel like there needs to be a standard, kind of like a Web 2.0, a Web 3.0. That, that's what I think we need, but we don't have it yet. We do not have it yet. So where's AI going with GPS and navigation? Well, that's a very, very, very good question. So we're going to get voice assistance, if we haven't already had that. We've had some of it. The voice assistance will be a little more, how can we say, developed and more interactive. Right now, you know, you can say things like, hey, I'm not going to say her name for the phone, or hey, A-L-E-X-A, hey, S-I-R-I. Um, luckily the device does not know how to spell, <laughs> otherwise it'd be responding to me. I know whenever you talk around people and they don't understand the word, um, well, we have to make sure we put him in the BED, or we have to make sure that we take him to the DOCTOR. And until they learn how to read, they're kind of like at a loss. And I remember my parents doing this a long time ago. And they're saying, yeah, we need to take him to the DOCTRR or, um, you know, then we need to go S-H-O-P-P-I-N-G. And we need to make sure he does his H-O-M-E-W-O-R-K before he has any P-L-A-Y-T-I-M-E. Now, <laughs> it seems very simple, but once I learned what spelling was and how reading worked, I'm like, guys, I know how to spell and I know how to read. So you're both wasting your time. You're like, oh, when'd you learn to read? And that's a pretty interesting epiphany, right? How you're able to read and then change the world because when you can see something and be able to know what it is in the world, I think that's a very remarkable thing. And I know a lot of you are probably saying to me, hey, John, this is pretty cool. Um, I like where this is going, but... I have some concerns. So we've got voice assistance as I was telling you about. We've got personalization, intelligent routing. So the car, and my car has been doing this for years. Um, I pay for a traffic service, and it actually tells the GPS whether I have uh, to go this way or that way because there might be an accident, there might be a road closure, um, right? And so... These are very important things. There could be uh, conditions on the road because of uh, certain types of uh, weather. And all this gets fed back into the GPS system, and the GPS system makes uh, live uh, decisions on where to route you. We're already seeing some of this, but it's going to get a little more involved and a lot more real-time as opposed to it taking a little longer. Traffic predictions. So the cars can already make predictions of <clears throat> you know which road you should take, but 
they're going to get better um, figuring out, you know, is it better to take the toll? Is it better to go through uh, a circle than to go through a short line? Well, you know, a, a line is always uh, shorter than uh, in distance between two points. But it's going to be able to do that, which is the best fuel cost. So we got some of that in the past, but now we're going to see a lot more of it. And I think as we see more of it, that's when the GPS and navigation is going to evolve. We're also going to get positioning and planning. So when we want to go somewhere, I remember one of my first navigations, you could literally um, tell the car where you want to go, such as a restaurant, and it would give you all the restaurants in the area. What kind of dining did you want? Italian. Great. I found four restaurants near you. Here they are. First one is, and it would read them out. Uh, number two, I can call that place or give you directions. Call. Great. Calling at such and such bistro or whatever. So I think this is pretty cool where it's going, but this is not new technology. What we're seeing now is what's been out for years start to reduce in price because it's being mass produced. And we're going to start to see that it's going to get more accurate and it's going to use less resources, less bandwidth, if you will. Now, traffic predictions has always been a cool thing. But looking at your screen, I mean, I can do that now and I can see if there's an accident by the color of the road. If the, if the road is green, it's great. If it's yellow, it's uh, basically got some congestion. If it's, if it's red, it's totally stopped. Now, I've had that before, but they're making this system more available at a different price point that a lot more people can be able to afford. So this is a big buzzword for everyone. So where the heck is AI going when we talk about healthcare? I think this probably uh, gives people, um, you know, chills in their spine, or it's almost like me taking my fingers and, you know, putting them on a chalkboard. I know I'm not going to do that, but you get the feeling, right? Um, AI in healthcare is going to be taking some interesting terms. I was talking to a health provider the other day, office manager, and we were talking all about this and the fact that Healthcare has been all over the map. And the reason it's been all over the map is because our government doesn't really know where it's going. Uh, the different uh, insurance companies have no clue what they're doing. And they keep reinventing the wheel, but they don't know what and why they're doing anything. They just have no clue. And I know that people really want to be able to do something. They do. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. And um, AI and healthcare, let's talk about some of the areas. So first thing that's going to come to the forefront is insight and analysis. We're going to get a deeper understanding for analysis of what could be through predictions that could uh, share possible outcomes in the future, as well as what could happen if we take this medicine? What could happen if we do nothing? So we can get kind of like a glimpse into the future. So I think that's a big piece of where uh, we're going to see, um, you know, um, healthcare going. And it's going there slowly now. Telehealth. So telehealth, just to give you a little bit of an example, um, all these that I'm talking about, including insight analysis, they're going to be building this metaverses. And we talked about this before on some of the other shows. But metaverses is a digital immersible world where you can have a lot of an experience really. And so 
the thing about all these things is you're going to visit a virtual hospital or a virtual doctor's office. And part of me is like, you know, this is a bit nuts. Like, you know, you're going to log online. You're going to go to a virtual doctor's office building. And then, I don't know, I, I, I just think this is nuts. And then they're charging doctors to rent space in a virtual office building. I think that's just like nuts. So here's how it works. You'll go to your metaverse. Maybe you'll log into your medical metaverse. And you'll go to whatever doctor you need to go to because he's in a, a building. It'll have real names. They'll have streets. You'll be able to use an avatar to get there. They may even have you park your car. Uh, you get to the office. When you get to the office, they may even have you go up steps or use an elevator. You get to the suite, and um, the first thing you see uh, is uh, there's a reception area. So you check in. When you do, there'll be a camera um, video that comes on the screen. They'll be able to see you. You'll be able to see them. And um, they may ask you some things. They'll check you in. They'll have you take a seat. They said, when you're ready, we, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, call, we'll call you up. And so when they do, you'll, you'll have that camera that'll come on, which I think will be kind of cool, all right? Um, once that happens, you'll sit down in the waiting room, and then you'll be called up, and then you'll actually leave to go in to see the doctor. The doctor will be able to uh, basically do an exam with you um, remotely, which is kind of crazy, but they'll be able to do that. Um, they call this telehealth. So for example, let's say you had a sore throat hypothetically and, uh, you know, you say, ah, on camera, they're saying, I don't know about this, but they're saying that they're going to be able to tell your throat and your condition by just a camera. I don't know. I don't think the camera is going to give us as much data as we want. I, I just don't know. Um, patient monitoring, whether they have uh, different wearables they have on for heartbeat or lots of different things. I think that'll be uh, pretty interesting. And then you've got surgical assistance. Of course, you've got that. And then you're also going to have things like uh, training for your um, doctors and let's say, uh, nurses and nurse assistants and pharmacists. You're going to have all that on the health metaverse. So the nice thing is that you don't have to go to many buildings with your car. You log on to the health metaverse, and now you have access to all of this information. All right, so that's that's interesting, I guess. But I'm not a big proponent of this concept. I don't know. I, just, I, I have fears that the data might be getting to the wrong hands. Um, just don't have a lot of trust on this. And there's a lot of information. We call it PHI, personal health information. Uh, there's a lot of hands going back and forth. I don't know. I, I just have a problem with it. So I'm not in love with this idea of uh, AI and healthcare. But the fact that they can see things and use it as a guide, but not make the decisions. I could just give you an idea like this could happen. This may happen. This may not happen. I think that's going to be the biggest advancement. Uh, maybe people keeping their records digitally. I don't know. I'm just concerned what it's going to do. So we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. All right. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Amazon.com is to cut several hundred Alexa jobs. And so the thing about this that has me a little bit on the fence is that um, basically just today, Amazon 
announced it's trimming jobs at its Alexa voice assistant unit, citing shifting business priorities and a greater focus on generative AI. So what this tells me is that they don't want to work on the Alexa voice assistant anymore. They want to just go hardcore into AI. And um, a quote I want to read you from them says, we're shifting some of our efforts to better align with our business priorities and what we know matters most to customers, which includes maximizing our resources and efforts focused on generative AI. And this is what Daniel Roche, uh, vice president of Alexa and Fire TV said in the email. And he said, these shifts are leading us to discontinue some initiatives. So Amazon's been pulling back in a variety of divisions, uh, a lot of areas, and they started uh, with this month of November, including in its music and gaming divisions and some human resource roles. So while most of the jobs affected were in the devices division, a few were working on Alexa-related products in a different unit, uh, and many companies are shifting resources to generative AI, which can create software code and lengthy text responses from short prompts. So um, it's interesting, and uh, we'll have to see what's going to happen. But Amazon said, and I quote, to suggest that a few antidotes paint a picture of reality for an organization as large and diverse as devices and services is inaccurate, and that is stood by its products. I don't know. I I've never had a lot of trust for Amazon, and this is because when you call them, and, and I'm just being honest, I ordered a $1,500 drone. They are supposed to deliver it to my home. Instead, they came to my business. I didn't get the drone because they delivered it at 1030 at night, and they just left it in a bare parking lot in the middle of nowhere when no one's around at that hour of night. And when I called them, I said, hey, where's my drone? They said, oh, sir, it was delivered. Here's a picture. You just showed me a picture of a drone in the middle of a parking lot. Okay, so sorry on that one, sir. I cannot help you. It's like they're script bots. They're live people, but they're scripting. And uh, you know what I had to do? I said, I want a refund. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. Well, we can't. I'll be happy to help you with that one. He's like, I'm sorry. I can't give you a refund because. You know why? I can't give you a refund because this is what is going to matter. And it's the fact that it comes from uh, basically and. um uh, a non-Amazon, a, 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 a seller. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um, but my big problem that, that I really have is that you're basically, you know, not giving good service. So you know what I had to do to get my, to actually get what I needed? Well, I had to get a complaint filed. I literally had to get a complaint filed. That's just, I don't know, I think that's just nuts. I had to get a complaint filed. And that 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 that's that's like, I don't know, I think that's a little crazy. It's it, it's crazy. It's crazy because I had to file a complaint, and after I filed the complaint, you know what happened? They magically sent me another drone, okay?
they magically sent me another drone. And when I called, nobody would like help me. And you're probably saying, John, I have no clue how to do that. I think it comes down to the fact that a lot of people um, want to buy something inexpensive. I get it. I, 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think it's a problem. Okay? Um, I think it's a very, very big problem. And if you don't understand that, then you're just feeding into this algorithm of of mayhem with um with uh you know with Amazon just doing whatever they want I don't know ladies and gentlemen I I just have a big I really just have a very very big big problem with it and um, I just don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. But I know one thing. I filed that complaint with Better Business Bureau, District Attorney General's Office, Better Business Bureau. And you know what? I got a response from the 24 hours saying, oh, why did you do that? You know, we, we wanted to, we were going to, we were going to refund you. Baloney, you were going to refund me. Um, I don't know. I know they're cheap on some things. They're not cheap on everything. But I just think, they run their company in a way that doesn't care about customers. When you call them and you pick up the phone and you call them and you get this guy on the phone, it's like, thank you for calling Amazon. Uh, you know, um, we'll be with you. Uh, you know, and then you're on the phone. It's like to help you locate your account. I, can I send you a text message? No. Can I please send you a text? No. And it's like, they're just automated. And I feel this is a great big problem. So I'm not a lover of that. We'll see what's going on. Um, but AI, Amazon's not the only one that's going to cut back on other areas because they don't have resources. Walmart might do it. BJ's might do it. Other online stores might do it. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing it already in some of the retail, big retail chains. All right. Um, where is AI going in automobiles? I think this is probably a, a really, really good one. Well, when we think about AI in automobiles, the biggest thing that probably comes to mind for me is ADAS, and that's Advanced Driving Assistance System. People might know it as uh, Lane Keeping Assist, which automatically keeps you in the lane, right? Kind of just kind of lightly steers. And if you're not uh, worrying about that, maybe you're using cruise control with adaptive cruise control where it actually keeps track. There's certainly so many car lengths automatically. So if somebody cuts in front of you, it automatically will like lower your brake. It'll like jump on your brakes. So things like that. Somebody pulls out, it automatically goes back, not going over the speed limit that you set in cruise control, but maintaining it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but we've had that for a while. Traffic management, we talked about that before with the nav. So we're going to see more of that in the – so the navigation is obviously coming into, into the automobiles. Emission reduction, there's going to be um, systems in place, not only for uh, the plants, but also cars, so they'll be able to report back and see how their uh, services are doing. I don't know, people are going to have to agree to that in terms of conditions, too. And then, of course, we have the full-fledged autonomous driving. But before we get there, of course, we have BSD, 
blind uh, side detection. Now, the question everyone always asks me, is BSD a standard feature on cars? Um, you know, and I think right now the answer to that is going to be um, no. Um, BSD is a part of ADAS, um, but it's not incorporated yet. So BSD checks for vehicles that pass alongside your vehicle using radar ultrasonic sensors. And when an object uh, or car is by you and you have your turn signal on, it will give you a warning uh, with a light and sound. Um, and so most studies have suggested that um, by using blind spot monitoring, um, it was the, the crash rates were 14% lower. Well, that's good, right? Um, people say to me, are blind, blind spot sensors standard? So cars with uh, blind spot mirrors are becoming increasingly common as the cost of technology comes down. And once it was only luxury cars with BSD, they're now becoming common at every car's uh, general price point. So I think we're evolving, you know, into some things. But uh, when we get into autonomous driving, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to be an interesting thing because autonomous driving is going to be a huge, huge thing. Um, but remember, it's going to take about one or two terabytes for just a few seconds of driving. So I know what's happening. Uh, companies like, um, I believe it's like Audi is doing, I think they're charging Audi charges, uh, for their, uh, for their Wi-Fi. Um, so they get $49 a month or $499 a year. And for example, Audi connect turns your, your Audi into a Wi-Fi hotspot, providing full speed internet connections for up to eight devices at a time. Uh, you get it six month, uh, trial subscription. And after that, um, you know, you have to pay for it. So um, the question you might be asking some other companies, does, does uh, Lexus charge for their Wi-Fi? Uh, so up to five devices can be supported using the in-vehicle connectivity. Um, and the question, though, is, is there a fee? And I have to say yes, because uh, it says uh, it begins the time you, of the activation of your car and expires when one gigabyte of data is used or when the 30-day period ends. So Lexus is offering uh, remote services, a trial period at no extra cost, and it begins on the original date of the vehicle. After the trial period ends, enrollment in a paid subscription uh, becomes important. Uh, so how about does, does Ford charge for car Wi-Fi? Um, and so the answer to that, ladies and gentlemen, is, um, there's no card required, but they're giving you three months or three gigabytes of data. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. So we're talking about the fact that, you know, there's this need for this as we get into autonomous. So they're already, they're already gearing up for this now. And so you're not going to have to go to your cell phone provider because it's going to be part of your car. It's going to be part of your car. Um, 
I don't know. And they, so Ford uses AT&T hotspot. They all have different ones. Um, but I mean, the thing is, you're buying this car and you're spending all this money on the car. And now you've got to pay to have an app be able to do certain things. I mean, I think that's just like, I think that's crazy, right? How about Acura? Does, does Acura charge uh, for, for Wi-Fi? Um, so Honda and Acura team uh, with AT2, they offer unlimited uh, car Wi-Fi uh, with Warner Media Ride Premium Entertainment included. So that's nice. Uh, that's actually out of California. I'm not sure what they're doing in New Jersey yet. Um, I think what they were doing, if I remember correctly, it was it was a three-year, because I know I had to pay for it. You have a three-year complimentary uh, access for security, and that went up. Um, the, um, the package, well, actually, the security package is $89 a year after the complimentary trial. The remote start is one ten a year after the complimentary trial. Okay, you get three years complimentary access of remote and six month trial on the twenty twenty two and older models, uh, and then one ten after. Then you get concierge, which I thought was a real waste. Uh, after the complimentary trial, it's two sixty a year. Uh, so with the basic, you can get owner guides, recall notifications, schedule service, uh, roadside assistance dashboard, vehicle health report, send destination to vehicle and last mile. So that's all part of the AccuraLink pattern. That's part of the basic, okay? Then you have remote. So remote start and stop, uh, preheat or pre-cool your car. So it's always at the perfect temperature when you hit the road. Uh, security alarm alert. Um, you have a remote lock and unlock, find my car. Uh, geofence alert sets boundaries and receive alerts each time your vehicle enters or leaves a specific area. Speed alert, get a notification each time your, your vehicle exceeds a specific speed limit you set. Um, destination by voice, stolen vehicle, vehicle locator, so your vehicle can help authorities find its location in the event that it's been stolen. So, you know, uh, then they have personal concierge. It can help you make airline, restaurant, or hotel reservations. But here's the thing with this. You don't get somebody from the U.S. They're in another country. So now you're probably asking me, does BMW uh, charge for Wi-Fi? And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, the answer to that is going to be yes. So um, all these cars are charging for Wi-Fi, okay? Crazy. They're gearing up, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because they're gearing up for this autonomous vehicle system, which is not even out yet. But we're going to see a lot more on this as we move forward. All right, let's move on to our next topic, AI and agriculture. So what the heck is this about, John? Well, AI and agriculture is all about stock monitoring, supply chain, pest management, forecasting, you know, things like that. And this is going to help, um, you know, increase their profits, but lower their costs and make sure product is delivered um, and kept plentiful where it needs to be. So what is AI being used for in human resources? Well, this is one that's going to shock a lot of people. But AI in human resources is being used for screening. Okay, we've been seeing it through different job boards like Indeed, uh, ZipRecruiter, etc. There's some 
um, now that even use a third party to do a video interview screening. That's pretty cool, right? Onboarding. Uh, so you can onboard your uh, staff member right through the uh, system using AI. Uh, performance, uh, getting performance evaluations, and workforce planning to know about budgets, where you should put people, schedules, et cetera. So um, there was one I was using. So I had two-factor on um, this one system I was using for something. And um, so I didn't have – I had canceled the account, but I needed to get in to get some old information. And um, in order to disable the uh, two-factor authentication, I had to, like, give them blood. I mean, seriously. So I had to send over a license. That wasn't a big deal. Then they wanted me to take a picture, not just take a picture of me and send it. I had to use their stupid app or their system so it could verify me as I was turning my head. I was pivoting. And I don't know. I, then I had to do it multiple times because it didn't work. And then they had – I mean, it just it was just really a nuisance. So I feel these tools are good. But I feel that people are rushing them to the market too quickly, and they're not ready to be on the market. I mean, we're not even ready to have a Wi-Fi car because we're not even ready for an autonomous vehicle. I mean, I think we're jumping the gun. I think they're just trying to get people ready for this. Um, so you're not going to be going to your carrier to get Wi-Fi anymore. You're going to be going to your car dealership. So does that mean that you're not going to need Wi-Fi in your phone? Perhaps. I mean, is the does the Wi-Fi work if the cars? Oh, that's a good question. So, so does 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 the um, let's say does 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 the car Wi-Fi work if it's off? And um, it basically has to be on, or it's not going to work. Okay, um, Wi-Fi for your car works in a lot of different ways. Your car comes with basically. Uh, what we call built-in Wi-Fi. Okay, that, that's what they call it. And so um, what is built-in Wi-Fi? Well, built-in Wi-Fi um, allows you to do a lot, of, a lot of different things. So what kind of things? So you could turn your – it's like having a hotspot, right? Um, you can, um, you know, install um, – you know, for example, you could buy a car with a built-in Wi-Fi. You can install a wireless router in your car. Um, people ask, does it work if the engine's off? So the, it can get tricky because depending on what accessories you purchase and who puts them in, the Wi-Fi might be off if you don't have certain accessories. And uh, it's going to drain your battery. So how do you get Wi-Fi in your car for free? So uh, if you need to look up directions but you don't have internet in the car, there's something you can try. Park near a public hotspot, like a coffee shop, mall, or a public library, and connect to the internet on your phone. Go to settings and Wi-Fi, and then choose the free network from there. Uh, so I think this is going to be a difference. And the question people ask is, John, who charge? What, what uh, car company charges the most for Wi-Fi? And um, I think what we're going to see is they're all going to be they're all going to be similar. Most Wi-Fi plans, okay, were around twenty dollars a month. Okay, that was right after nineteen ninety six, but then they jumped up now to like forty nine dollars a month. What cars have Wi-Fi? Well, you've got Acura, Audi, BMW, Buick, Cadillac, Tesla, Jeep, uh, Chevrolet, uh, Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, Honda, Infiniti, Jaguar, Land Rover. Lincoln, Mercedes, Nissan, Porsche, 
Subaru, and even Volvo. So it's interesting. Um, but I feel that this is going to annoy a lot of people. Because do you want to add that as part of your monthly lease or payment? Um, and then people say to me, is it worth getting Wi-Fi in your car? Well, if you got Wi-Fi in your phone, why do you need it in your car? I think you need it in your car because, you know, if you have the nav, the nav isn't going to work anymore. I think that's a real terrible excuse. Did you know that there are, yes, some car companies that are charging you, yes, they're charging you monthly for heated seats. Yes, it's called subscription-based pricing. This is absurd. Car companies are expecting to make billions charging companies. I mean, they're just ripping people off. Um, subscriptions might be things for like automatic high beams, remote star, and other functions. Um, you might pay $5 a month for the ability to lock and unlock your car from a distance through an app. That's terrible. Or how about $25 a month charge for advanced cruise control or $10 to have access to heated seats? And what if they continue to happen even after your car is paid off? I think this is some serious nonsense. And I think we need to make sure that this stops because this is just extortion. I've got to say that at its finest. All right. Um, what is AI and lifestyle? Um, so AI and lifestyle is uh, something pretty interesting. So AI and lifestyle is going to help us with personalized recommendations, similar to shopping, but not just shopping. Other things as well in our life that we might uh, use. From entertainment, uh, a variety of things. Uh, where we, uh, let's say, go for certain things it could be... Um, Maybe we have to go to a dry cleaner so it could help us with that. Virtual assistants and even language translation. I think that's pretty cool. So you just uh, had somebody uh, pick you up from the airport. That's a Lyft or an Uber, and they don't speak English. And suddenly you're getting frustrated, right? How about where Where do you think AI is going when, when we talk about, um, you know, there's lots of things we could talk about, but but where, where or, or I should say, what is AI uh, when, you know, in um, social media? And, and I know you're probably saying, John, this sounds a little nuts, but social media, believe it or not, is, uh, is important. And in social media, we're talking about things like um, fraud detection, insights, uh, sentiment analysis, and even moderation. But is this going to take away from our freedom of speech? That's my concern. How about AI in the gaming world? Yeah, AI in the gaming world, we're talking about better quality assurance, um, game assistance. Maybe you need assistance with how to get to a level. Who knows? Animation. I even picture that they're going to charge people money, almost like they used to do with like King's Quest Seven. I don't even know if they make King's Quest Seven, but I remember that game. That was a pretty cool game. King's King's Quest, King's Quest Seven, uh, and King's Quest Seven, um, pretty amazing game. I don't think it's still around anymore, but you can actually play it online. 
it was a very interesting game uh, because you had to do certain things to like empty the fountain so you could get down, you could go below, and you could figure out which uh, rock or shell something was under. Then you got that. You got a key. You came back up. You went and unlocked something, go past the dragon. Uh, pretty cool stuff. What about AI in astronomy? Oh, that's a really good one. Analysis, detection and classification, better surveying, and also logging and trapping and things like that. So AI is really changing. How about AI and chatbots? So when we think about AI and chatbots, we're going to talk more about NLP, natural language processing. So we know that chatbots have been a little rough, to say the least, but they're going to be a lot more, I don't know, <laughs> human-like, more of a fluidity in the way that they respond to you instead of like, you know, staccato. You're going to really have to think whether it's a live person or a bot. Multi-language, of course. Now we're going to be able to convert things from one language to another. Maybe you talk to somebody in another country. But I'm worried about that because the translation always gets lost, especially when you have idiom of expression and things like that. So that's always something I remembered from uh, my relatives. And how about adaptation? Yeah, that's that's something. And the last topic that I want to talk about, and I, I think it's really, really late, Jim. I think it's I think it's a very, very important one. And I think it's one that a lot of people um they forget. They think because you know we're we're in technology that we don't have to worry about it. But I'm here to tell you, as things get easier, we have to make sure that we do one thing. We understand what is. AI, and what's the one I haven't talked about yet, ladies and gentlemen? What is it? What is AI in surveillance? All right. Security, right? We're talking about things like uh, object detection, predictive analysis, behavior analysis. So what's that mean? Well, let's say, for example, you're in a crowd, and the camera can actually pick up not only how many garbage cans there are, okay, or how many whatever certain object once it's trained, but maybe how many people are in the crowd. And predictive analysis is there a sign or two from somebody that we can pick up? Is there an elevated heartbeat? Is there some conditions that we probably should pay attention to because this person might have a reason to cause harm to us? Maybe it even picks up the fact that they have a gun or something like that. So there can be all these kinds of things. And when we, when we match them with things like an elevated heart rate or other stuff, like, you know what? We probably should take a... a you know, a better look at that person. Maybe we should have the security guy uh, stop that person. That's where we're going. We're using AI to help us funnel things so we don't miss the details. AI is very good at grabbing details, but what it's not good at doing is always reporting things with the right information. So we might think there's 500 people in the crowd. Maybe there's 600, but maybe it thinks that there's four people that are a threat. And actually, there might be one or there might be none. There could be a lot of false positives. Hey, guys, I have enjoyed so much talking to you about AI and all these different areas, talking to you about uh, this gentleman, uh, Sam Altman, that got ousted from ChatGPT. And also Amazon, how they just seem to do whatever they want to do, because let's say if they're Amazon, just because they're Amazon, they make a lot of money. They don't impress me. Do I buy from them once in a while? Yeah, but... They're not my favorite go-to because you can get things cheaper. I use that Capital One app uh, that's free, and it literally tells me, hey, John, you know, you could buy this on eBay or buy this here, and you could save $7, even on a book. So 
really cool. And I got to tell you, that app is not scammy. I thought it might have been. I've been watching it. It's not. So far, it's not grabbing any other, any other information but what I'm shopping uh, for. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. You know it's been an amazing privilege. Of course, a pleasure and honor to be with you this fantastic evening. Of course, definitely go to BelieveMeAchieve.com. Click on the PayPal link. Make the choice. Buy my team and I a cup of coffee, a bowl of fruit, or how about a savory bowl of desserts? Either way, I'll be grateful. Those pennies and dollars will invest into new hardware, new technology, new equipment, new software, even new facilities to give you the most jaw-dropping motivational content ever. Be sure to check out my brother's show. Yes, inspirations for your life. Uh, you can go to BelieveMeAchieve.com and catch out all this amazing information that if you choose to apply it, will definitely change your life. I'll promise you that. And I want to wish you guys all a very happy, a very healthy, and a very amazing, relaxing, and grateful Thanksgiving. And this Thanksgiving, I'd like you to do one special thing for me. Do you know what that is? I'm going to ask everyone here to please do one thing for me. Can you do this for me? You can do this one little thing for me. I want you to just do this one thing. If you could do this, this would be amazing. You ready, everyone? Unplug for technology, or I should say, unplug from technology, right? I, I think if we understand these things, um, if we if you could do me a favor and just unplug from technology for just one day, which would be Thanksgiving, um, I think your life um, will be amazing. And I think the people in your life, like your family, your friends, you know, they don't get to see you maybe all the time. So unplug from technology for one day. And that one day is Thanksgiving. All right. Take your phone, turn it off. Uh, unless there's family that you have to communicate with at the dinner table, you know, don't worry about playing video games that day. Let's just put that aside. Why don't we maybe start a new habit? Why don't we start being grateful for everything we have in our life, our family? Our friends, the money we have, the abundance we have, our great health. How about the food we're about to be privileged to partake in? I hope you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving. I'm going to catch you guys next week, which is going to be the first. Yes, the first of December. Check out all my great content at BelieveMeAchieve.com. And I'll catch you guys on another Jay Moore Tech Talk show or another one of my other shows real soon. Be well, everyone. And I hope this is one of your best Thanksgivings ever. So take care and be well.